is your co-host Rebecca. And I'm your co-host Rach. And welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 14, The Fortune Teller. After an encounter with a platypus bear, Aang, Katara, and Sokka discover a village in the shadow of a volcano where everyone has chosen to live by the predictions of a local fortune teller called Aunt Wu. Dun dun dun! <laughs> I made this episode sound a lot more dramatic than it actually is. <laughs> it's kind of like stupid how much I love this episode. Like, <laughs> it just makes me so happy. <laughs> Aww. So did you learn anything, even though this was your 10 millionth time watching it? I already pretty much knew everything, but (laughs) for the sake of the podcast, let's just say uh, Katara hates papaya, so. You were reminded that Katara hates papaya. Yes, yes. (laughs) I don't blame her. I think, well, I don't hate papaya, but I think if I had to pick between mango and papaya, I'd probably go with mango. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) What did you learn? I learned that if you scare a platypus bear enough, it might lay an egg. That was pretty funny. (laughs) I was just like, wow, Appa, that's pretty impressive that you made the platypus bear so scared that it laid an egg. (laughs) Yes. All right, so should we do the Iroh's flip-flop of this episode? Sounds good. What is the Iroh's flip-flop of this episode? So, my guess for this week is I was thinking that it could be the umbrella that Aang and Katara and Sokka receive from the old man that they meet. Ding, 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 you're right. <laughs> Yay! I'm doing pretty well. I think there's only one week where I haven't managed to get it. Yes. Well, the Great Divide doesn't count because nothing came back from that episode, so you were just set up to fail in that one. (laughs) I was, I was. Um, But yeah, last week I think I couldn't get anything, even though there were a few things. The little parasol comes back. Oh, good. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's not an umbrella. It's like a a parasol, but they use it as an umbrella. Yes. (laughs) It looks like one of those little parasols that you get at like a fancy restaurant that they put in like your lemonade it does yes you're right and it's it goes with ang's general aesthetic i feel yes it totally does (laughs) we can talk a little bit about a certain trope involving that parasol a little bit later yes (laughs) all right so let's get into this episode that i'm very excited to talk to rach about because i know how much you love this episode (laughs) I did want to tell you that I don't know if you watched the previously on Avatar because like I have said before, sometimes it randomly gives me that. I thought it was really funny because the previously on Avatar was just like a recap of all the previous moments between Katara and Aang. Yeah, so I actually, last week when we watched The Blue Spirit, like Netflix automatically plays the next episode. I found myself just like watching the first few minutes and I was like, oh wait, stop, don't do that. (laughs) Aww. I was getting way too excited. So when I went back to watch this time, I had to rewind to get the beginning again. And I did end up catching some of the recap. And I did think that was funny as well, that it just was going over all of those moments. And it's like, yeah, we're setting you guys up for something and we're not being subtle about it. <laughs> not at all. I think those recaps are kind of bad sometimes, not just in Avatar, but in other shows, because sometimes they want you to remember a specific thing, and then you're like, oh, I guess that's coming up in this episode. <laughs> right, right. I don't really like recaps, like, especially since we talk about these episodes for like two hours, I don't feel like we need a recap. <laughs> what? Us? We would never do that. <laughs> and the fact that I've seen the series five times, you know, that's... <laughs> Another reason why I wouldn't need one, but... (laughs) Yeah. But it was cute. I mean, I get it that they wanted us to remember that, like, you know, Aang and Katara, maybe there's something more. There may be something there that that wasn't wasn't there before. before. (laughs) Yes! I love that! And then speaking of that, we have another Disney reference that you mentioned in your notes. (laughs) Yes, yes. So we start out with the fish that is taunting Sokka, which creeped you out, apparently. 
Well, when I was a kid, just like the animation of that fish, I don't know what it was about it, but I really didn't like it. <laughs> interesting, interesting. What struck me was that he looked like he had a mustache. And I think that's what made me remember a particular fish from Under the Sea in The Little Mermaid. I, I wrote it in my notes that I was going to look it up later, and then Rach actually found it before I did. <laughs> which was uh, the part when uh, Sebastian sings, The fluke is the Duke of Soul. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said that in your notes, I was like, oh, I know exactly what fish she's talking about. He also has a mustache. Yes. He's also pretty creepy looking, too. <laughs> he is a little, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's the Duke of Soul, so we can't be too harsh on him. That's true, that's true. Unfortunately, the fish in Avatar was not playing any instruments. No, he was playing soccer, though. True, true. But I'm Another boomy joke there. So, yeah, this fish is taunting soccer, and then meanwhile, Aang is being super cute. Yeah, he's made a little necklace for Katara out of the fishing line because she lost her mother's necklace. So I just thought that was so sweet. Like, <laughs> so considerate. Yeah, it was adorable. And it was a cute necklace, too. I was kind of comparing it to the hat that Katara made Jet, <laughs> which was hideous. <laughs> yeah, Katara, don't go into the hat-making business, but Aang... You can definitely sell your jewelry after the war is over. I think you've got a good thing going on there. <laughs> I'm just imagining Aang with a little store on Etsy now. Aww. That would be so cute. I think he he's very multi-talented. <laughs> uh, I love that when Sokka asked him... Maybe instead of saving the world, you can go into the jewelry-making business. He was just like, I don't see why I can't do both. Aang is just... The biggest cinnamon roll this entire episode. <laughs> he really is a cinnamon roll this episode, yeah. Well, we uh, we established last week that uh, he, he is 100% a cinnamon roll, and he could kill you if he wanted to, but he won't do that. Yeah, so he, he gives the necklace to Katara, and she puts it on, and she asks him how she looks, and it's the return of the rose-colored glasses. <laughs> Yes, he loves the way she looks, and I love that he gets all flustered, and he's like, You mean all of you, or just your neck? I mean, because both look great. Very smoothing. <laughs> so smooth. And Sokka is kind of aware, too, it seems like, because he's just like, oh my god. I think he's been aware since the first episode, because he called... Aang Kotaro's boyfriend in the first episode, so he has this sort of intuition about these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though later it seems like he mistakenly thinks that it's Meng that yeah, Aang right. is talking about. <laughs> Sokka's advice is not the best in this episode, but we will get there. <laughs> yes, we will get there. So after that, they, they see an old man who... Aang says is being attacked, and Iroh, Aang, can you please define what you mean by being attacked? Because he doesn't really seem like he's being attacked in that moment. I think Aang was happy for a distraction because Katara had just, like, rubbed him on the head and compared him to Momo, and he was like, okay, let's move on past that, <laughs> please. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, she did friendzone him a little bit in this episode, even though I don't really like that expression. Yeah, I don't really believe in the friend zone, but... <laughs> but it was kind of dismissing him as, like, he's a good friend. Right. Just kind of dismissing the idea that she would have a crush on him or that he would have a crush on her. Yeah. Even though he totally does. They're, like, so oblivious. All of them are so oblivious in this episode, and I love it because that's what that age is like like when you're a 12 or 14 or even 15 year old you don't know like you're just awkward <laughs> yeah I wouldn't know if somebody had a crush on me so I think it's just a really good episode for them being teenagers <laughs> yeah I agree they're just so awkward and they don't really know what they're doing and they have these feelings that they're kind of trying to deal with but um in a very roundabout way so it's very good about being something that, yeah, is very realistic for teenagers, I think. 
One thing that's not realistic is the platypus bear. <laughs> no, no. Although platypuses lay eggs, so I guess that's kind of where that comes from. Yes. <laughs> they come across this guy who is b- being attacked in quotation marks, and they save him, mainly because Appa ends up scaring the uh, bejesus out of the <laughs> platypus bear. Right. Yeah, they're all shouting instructions at him to what to do, and I thought that was funny because, again, it's like what we do with brown bears or something, or grizzly bears in real life. It's like, I feel like there are a million different instructions, like punch him in the nose or stay still, and it's like, which one do you really do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, you have to get your flying bison to scare it away. That's the real (laughs) advice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I so I grew up in a place, as we established, I think, in previous episodes, that doesn't really have big bears. I had never really heard about all this advice until fairly recently, and I still don't really, I mean, I've never really come across a bear, I don't think. Um, I know people who have bears who visit their houses sometimes. I just found that really funny as well. It was very good. <laughs> the platypus bear swims away, and they're left with this very kooky old man who... <laughs> begins to tell them about the fortune teller in the village where he lives and everybody's reactions are very different to his stories and I think Sokka's faces in this episode are just amazing as well as his constant skepticism. (laughs) Yeah he's great in this episode. I very much enjoyed how unwilling he was to believe anything that was going on. I, for me, the most interesting reaction is Katara's, though, because she is so fascinated by this idea of, you know, a fortune teller, and she just, yeah, is completely enthralled with it. And I was trying to think about, like, where that comes from, because, you know, in many ways, she's like Sokka, right? She has lived through this war and a lot of hardships, so you might expect her to be more skeptical like him. But she's she's really not. And I think maybe it kind of relates back to how she reacted as well when they found the Avatar. She has this kind of hope, I think, in, you know, that maybe there's a little bit of magic in the world and there's a little bit of something that might, you know, be able to just provide you with a different perspective. Which I think is really sweet because, you know, it's I think it's probably one of her ways of escape. When people are in these horrible situations, I think that often they turn to ways to escape. We know this for our own daily lives. <laughs> we often use, you know, stories to escape from when we're, you know, having a difficult time, which, you know, who would be having a difficult time right now? Hmm, everyone. <laughs> so I, I kind of just thought that that was an interesting thing. It reminded me a little bit of um, Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones who similarly is somebody who still holds on to this idea of like fairy tales and stories, even though she's been through very difficult circumstances. In the show, they were much worse than in the books. But yeah, I just, I found that interesting. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, I didn't go that deep into it, <laughs> but I like that you thought that critically about it because I think that makes a lot of sense. And my whole thing is just like, She's a teenager, and I think Katara's very romantic by nature. I think that's just her personality, and so the idea of there being, like, this fortune teller is a very romantic idea, and getting to know her future about, like, her husband and her kids, like, (laughs) that's such a, like, a teenage girl sort of thing, and I think Katara's really being um idealistic in this episode (laughs) well i think that's a very good point too because she is definitely i would agree with you a romantic person you know both of those things can be true i think that she later on in the episode we see it kind of taken to an extreme right where she's like aunt Wu, will you make every single decision for me (laughs) right And I wondered if that might be, you know, because she's somebody who's had to make her own decisions for pretty much all her life. 
and she's you know hasn't really had parental figures around very much she's had soccer and then her uh gram gram so uh i wondered again if that might be another way of her kind of escaping it's like you know i can give my fate over to someone else and i don't have to worry about it for a little bit yeah i i think that's definitely true especially since the past few episodes they've really been going through a hard time and I think she's like okay this is my reprieve (laughs) I'm just gonna let Aunt Wu tell me what to do for a little bit yes (laughs) but yeah I think she's also just part of her nature maybe even if the war hadn't happened she would still be a little bit like that yeah I think so yeah so this this old man he's gives them a parasol, he says. Oh, and Aunt Wu said if I met any travelers to give them this. Because it's going to rain. <laughs> and they open it up and Aang immediately starts using it. And Sokka's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's clear skies. It's not going to rain. And what do you know? <laughs> starts pouring down. Yep, yep. It's uh, one point in Aunt Wu's favor at this point. Actually, too, because she told the old man that he wouldn't encounter any dangers on his trip, and he ended up being saved by the gang, so he thinks that's (laughs) Aunt Wu telling the truth. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, and we have a really cute little scene with Katara and Aang under the umbrella while Sokka just gets left out. And I thought you had a really interesting note about this, so do you want to share that? Sure. So it's a common thing in Japan when two people share an umbrella in rain, it's considered a symbol of romance and it's called Ai Ai Gasa. And I think that just means love, love umbrella, like literally translated. Aww. So I thought that was really cute. I think you said it happens a lot in anime and I've noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah. I can't even think of, like, a specific anime right now. I just remember (laughs) seeing it in anime in general. Does it happen in Sailor Moon? Probably. I I feel like in a lot of the title sequences, like, the beginning sequences, there's always, like, somebody sharing an umbrella. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I watch a lot of romance anime anyway, so... Yeah, I watch a mix, you know, because I, well, I don't really watch anime that much anymore, but I used to watch a mix because I watched, like, Dragon Ball Z, and then also, like, Sailor Moon, and then also Love Hina, which was another manga that I used to read, which was just a romantic comedy. Okay. Again, I can't think of a specific moment, just several moments. Uh, You're right, it's (laughs) often in the title sequences, too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's very cute. And then they, they head out with Sokka just standing in the rain because Katara refuses to let him come under the parasol. Yeah, she basically tells him, well, until you can admit you're wrong about Aunt Wu, you're not allowed to get under here. (laughs) Oh, Sokka. And then they end up actually going to the village because they decide that they want to see Aunt Wu. Well, Katara wants to see Aunt Wu. And Sokka's just along for the ride, and they have bean curd puffs there, so he's happy. <laughs> yeah, he's always just here for the snacks, I feel like. I mean, I can't blame him, honestly. <laughs> bean curd puffs sound kind of delicious, actually. Yeah, I'd like to try that. <laughs> actually, I was thinking, this is a tangent, but... I've had this idea in my head for a while that I would like to create a cookbook based on Avatar The Last Airbender and the cuisine in the show, so I might have to learn how to make bean curd puffs. (laughs) That would be a cool, like, Kickstarter or something. Yeah, yeah. If I can ever find the time, I would love to do that. (laughs) Uh, It's hard enough to find time just to record a podcast. Yes. All right, so yeah, they they arrive at the fortune teller's place, and they meet a new character who I've been informed does not come back, but her name is Meng, which she says rhymes with Ang, and it doesn't really, but okay, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 
Meng is pretty cute. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> Me too. She does not come back, but her voice actress does in a really big way, like as a main character. So I like that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She's really good. I guess maybe they liked working with the voice actress and they decided to bring her back. And she has a cute little voice too, so. Jessie Flowers, the voice actress. I love her voice. I think she does a really good job. Yeah, I think so too. I really like the voice acting um, with her. And she is apparently infatuated with Anne. <laughs> that little pan up that they do that mirrors the one of Katara in the beginning of the episode, except Aang is just standing there looking so unimpressed and like itching his nose. Oh my gosh, I died of laughter. Like, I've seen that so many times. It was just so funny to me. <laughs> I laughed a lot at that scene. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, and she she seems fixated on his ears, which at first I was like, that's a weird thing to want in a guy. <laughs> but then I, you find out that it's because she's been told by the fortune teller that she's going to meet her, the love of her life and he's going to have big ears. <laughs> I thought it was funny that they brought back the big ears insult. <laughs> Because they did that in, um, I think it was Imprisoned, when Katara said that Sokka had huge ears, and then Sokka told Aang that he had huge ears, and everybody seems to be really insulted by this idea. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, Aang, um, we may have talked about this before, but Aang has the disadvantage of being bald, so his ears are gonna stand out either way. Right. <laughs> Hank's ears are so adorable, though. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what Katara would say. Aw, that's cute. <laughs> Katara goes in to talk to the fortune teller. She spends quite a lot of time with the fortune teller. Sokka and Aang are just sitting outside waiting, and Aang's contemplating what they're talking about. Sokka's like, Boring stuff, I'm sure. Love, who she's gonna marry, how many babies she's gonna have. And Aang's like, Oh yeah, totally boring stuff that I don't care about at all. I'm just gonna go sneak in the back here and take a bathroom break. <laughs> he's so funny when he's trying to be like sneaky in this episode. He just doesn't do very well. <laughs> I think it's every time he tries to do something that's like not in his character. <laughs> Yes, yes. Sneaking around or being aloof later in the episode, he's just, like, really terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then this episode is also, like, I think very much about part of growing up, which is, you know, feeling these feelings and, like we said, not really knowing what to do with them. And, uh, yeah, I wrote that, you know, Aang is basically kind of hitting puberty in this episode. <laughs> Maybe not quite yet, but he's sort of, you know, almost there. And you, we, we even get some bathroom jokes from Sokka. <laughs> that just... I had to pause because I was laughing so hard again. I was like, oh my gosh, that line. Looks like someone had a pretty good bathroom break. Like, Sokka, what the heck? <laughs> oh, Sokka. Well, he's a little older, so I guess his humor is a little bit more... Uh... I was going to say more mature, but it's not really more mature. <laughs> Like, dirtier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess so. Yeah, Aang has just overheard Aunt Wu and Katara, and he heard Aunt Wu say that Katara will marry a very powerful bender, and I like that his confidence just immediately shot up. <laughs> I was like, there are a lot of powerful benders, Aang, that doesn't necessarily mean it's you. <laughs> True, true. Yeah, I love that he has this weird, like, smirk that he gets, almost. That it's, it's super awkward, but it's also kind of cute. Yeah, I was like, okay, go ahead and believe that. I mean, we all know that's what's gonna happen, but... <laughs> right. He doesn't really have an ego, I feel like, but in that moment, he did. <laughs> After that moment earlier where Katara was kind of saying that he was just a friend or whatever, it was kind of cute that he was able to get this idea that, oh, maybe we could be together someday. <laughs> yes. 
And then he goes in shortly after that to get his own fortune. And she does something different with him. Because with Katara, she does the palm reading, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. With Aang, she does this thing where she throws a bone into the fire. Yeah, so that's actually based on oracle bones, which were used during the late Shang Dynasty in China for fortune telling. And they used bones from oxen and turtles. And they didn't just, like, throw them into the fire. They had someone write something or etch something into the bones, and then they would put them in the fire, and I guess the person would read them and and see what they meant. So it's it's very similar to what Aunt Lu was doing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I figured that it was probably a real thing, because Avatar, I've come to expect at this point, they seem to base a lot of their stuff in things that are actually, you know, true. So I wasn't surprised to to learn that it was a real thing, but that's really cool. I made this series a while back about witches and Disney princesses, so I learned a lot with that, and that was actually a form of divination that I learned about when I was doing that series. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah. That was a really cool series. I really liked that. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, so that was cool to learn more about that and kind of circle back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Her fortune for him is really funny because basically she tells him what he already knows. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's going to be a huge battle and you're going to be involved in it and it's going to determine the fate of the world. And Aang's like, okay, cool. Thanks for that. But, um... What's going to happen with my love life? <laughs> it's funny because it's almost like that's a meta commentary on this episode. And it's not really focused on the bigger picture of things. So it's almost like Aang is being the audience and just kind of bringing us back to, yeah, but what about my love life? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and here, I think, is the first time that we really see Aunt Wu we see a clear example of Aunt Wu telling somebody something that they want to hear. I think in this instance, it's actually very sweet <laughs> because he is this 12-year-old kid and it's just like, well, she doesn't want to crush all of his hopes and dreams, so she just encourages him to trust in his heart, and I liked that. Yeah, I think that's sweet. I, you know, in looking at Aunt Wu... I kind of fall maybe somewhere in between, well, I'm probably leaning towards Sokka's view. <laughs> in that I don't believe most of the things she says. And I do think that it's a little bit dangerous what she's doing, because as we find out in the next scene, she is basically the sole advisor of everyone in the village, and they follow everything she says to the extent that they even stop trying to discover things for themselves, which I think is really dangerous, actually. And I think is an example of how you can manipulate people into, you know, just following you and not trying to find things out for themselves. There are some real-world parallels here, but I'll let you make them for yourself. <laughs> cough, climate change deniers, cough, cough. <laughs> Uh, yes, exactly. And so <laughs> I think that aspect of her is a little bit dangerous. But I also think that, you know, it is valid to show people that they make their own destiny, which is what she kind of comes to later on in the episode. Yeah, she's definitely not like a morally black or white character. <laughs> I think almost in a sense, she earnestly believes in her own fortune-telling abilities, and so therefore thinks like, oh, I can't be wrong about this sort of thing, but then you end up in this place where it's like, well, now everybody is kind of brainwashed, and <laughs> it's not good to rely on a single person and not make any of your own decisions, so yeah, I can see both sides of it. Like, I... I do like her a lot, and I think that she gives some good advice, and she's 
a pretty amicable person because she's giving out these fortunes for free. Like, she's not charging for them. <laughs> true, true. So, uh, yeah, she's, like, in this in-between area. I think it just becomes too extreme. Like, anytime you take anything to an extreme, it becomes bad and... Everybody has taken her fortune telling way too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point in that everything in moderation is, you know, usually a good thing. Yeah, and I think that Aang totally falls into this moderation category in this episode. Like Sokka's on one end and Katara's on the other. And Aang really finds the middle ground where he definitely has some hope and believes a little bit of what Aunt Wu says, but at the same time he makes his own decisions and comes to his own conclusions, and I think that that's what everybody should be doing. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Because what we find out is that they, so they live under the shadow of this volcano. They're kind of like Pompeii in the Earth Kingdom. (laughs) They end up basically just relying on Aunt Wu's predictions as to whether or not the volcano is going to erupt. So one of the villagers says that he used to go up to actually check the volcano with a bunch of other people, but they stopped doing that because now Aunt Wu just kind of tells them what to do. Right. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Yep. And that's what Sokka thinks. Yes. (laughs) He starts getting very frustrated at this point. Yeah, well, earlier, I guess we skipped this part a little bit, but she tells Sokka's fortune and says that his life will be full of pain, most of it, which is (laughs) self-inflicted. Yes! And she doesn't have to read his palms or do any of the oracle bone stuff. She's just like, yeah, I just have to look at you and I know. Which, fair, you know? (laughs) Right. I feel like you don't have to be a fortune teller to figure that out. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Harry Potter when they're in the divination class and Ron is reading the tea leaves and he's like, you're gonna suffer, but you're gonna be happy about it. And Ron is super skeptical of all this stuff too. So, you know, I feel like we're finding another parallel here between Sokka and Ron. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Sokka was great this episode, just in general. Although, I, <laughs> so I wrote just that he was being great in general. And in my notes, I put that he speaks to my scientist heart because I am a scientist. <laughs> and then five seconds after I wrote that note, he was giving Aang terrible advice. So... So, you know, Sokka is great this episode, but not always. Yeah, I think that his advice is particularly funny because I know what his relationships will look like in the future, and he does not take his own advice whatsoever. (laughs) Well, that's good. Right, like, he can say these things and act like this big machismo guy and like, oh yeah, you just have to act aloof to get girls to like you. But then when he's faced with with an actual girl that he likes, he just completely falls to pieces. Like, <laughs> all of that goes out the window. Aww. I'm very excited because you recently revealed to me which ship you think that I will like in the future. <laughs> And I think I probably will like them very much. And it is soccer related. So uh, (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing him in a relationship. So Sokka tells Aang to be aloof. And I was reminded of this episode of Friends, which is one in which uh, Chandler is kind of struggling. I think he's with Janice at that time. And he is kind of struggling to either get her back or sometime in his relationship, I think he's being too needy. Mm, okay. Monica and Rachel try to give him some advice and they also tell him to be a, like more aloof. <laughs> but then he takes that to an extreme and just ends up being an idiot. And then I think it's Monica who says to him, Chandler, we said be aloof, not a doof. Oh, man, yeah. Aang is kind of a doof in this part. 
it's funny because obviously Sokka thinks that Aang has a crush on Mang, and he just sort of dismisses Mang whenever she's around, which is really sad, but like... <laughs> he doesn't know! Yeah, he doesn't know this girl, and it's kind of weird that she, like, immediately attached herself to him. <laughs> right. And so he, he just kind of, like, brushes her off, and Sokka's like, Wow, that kid is good. <sighs> oh, boy. <laughs> but then he tries to be aloof with Katara, and she's she's getting a papaya because she asked Aunt Wu if she should have papaya or mango for breakfast. <laughs> This episode just, like, is me laughing the entire time, but okay. <laughs> and she's grabbing a papaya and Aang when he goes, So, papaya. What are you doing? He's so bad at being aloof. He really is. <laughs> yeah, and as you pointed out in your notes, he is aloof for about five seconds until he, like, decides to do something romantic because he sees um, someone giving someone else a panda lily and then uh he's like oh i should do that for katara yes <laughs> which just goes back to i wrote this whole meta of course because i'm me on tumblr <laughs> and it's about how ang and katara are really the most romantic people in the show and they share that and i think it goes back to that and ang having this internalized <laughs> romantic nature to him. He's like, okay, aloof, nah, not good for me, but giving Katara a flower, going all the way to the top of a volcano and getting her flower, yes, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a super romantic thing to do. I also wanted to mention, because I forgot earlier, but um, Aang also has like a, a wing lemur in this situation. <laughs> because Momo is like hanging out on his head. I don't think he, he's up there when he goes to get the panda lily, but just before. And I feel like all of Aang's emotions are kind of reflected in Momo's ears. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> like when Aang is sad, Momo's ears go down. And like when he's like looking at something, Momo's ears go up. Uh, I just thought that was really cute that M Momo was just kind of hanging out and being supportive. Momo is the best emotional support animal. <laughs> <laughs> he really is, yeah. Especially with Aang. He seems to have quite a connection with, with Aang. Yes. I guess on that note, I did want to talk a little bit about the animation in this episode. And I just thought it was really, really well done. Like, all of the extras are so well animated, and they all look completely different. And their clothing is beautiful, and they have different hairstyles and jewelry and hats. And I was just really impressed with the fact that they went out of their way to, like, give every single villager a different personality. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think this episode was beautiful. There's another scene a bit later on that I think is just stunning and we can talk about that, but the whole episode was really, really nicely done. And they didn't have to go there, you know, it, as we said, it's like a kind of a, sm a smaller scale episode, right, in terms of, you know, what happens, but even so, they put all this effort into making it look really cool. Yeah, I guess that can kind of prove our theory about the Fire Nation generals all looking alike. I think that it's a conscious choice because if they went out of their way to do that with the the villagers and make them look all so distinctly different, then I think it is a choice to make the Fire Nation generals all look the same. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the actually really pretty animation scenes is the scene when Sokka and Aang go up to the volcano to get a panda lily. Flowers are fine once you're married. <laughs> Sokka, I can't believe you would only bring someone flowers if you were married. Come on. That's just like, oh my gosh. Who was telling him these things too? Like, I'm sure Hakoda would never be like, oh yes, only bring women flowers once you're married. <laughs> like, Hakoda would never. <laughs> He'd be so disappointed with Sokka in this episode. Aww. 
It sounds honestly like teenage boy advice, like he got that yeah. advice from another teenage boy. I don't know who else was around in the village who was the same age as Sokka, but <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the kind of terrible advice teenage boys would get from their friends. They kind of fail really at getting the panda lily because although Aang grabs one, he then realizes that the volcano is actually going to erupt, which um, earlier Aunt Blue had said it wasn't. So they always, like, find a roundabout way to say her prediction is right. <laughs> so I don't think she actually said, like, the volcano isn't going to erupt. She says, the village will be safe from the volcano this year. <laughs> ah, yes, which it does end up being in the end. Yes. <laughs> but only thanks to Sokka and Aang having actually discovered that the volcano is about to erupt. So they run back down to tell everyone, and that's when the village is just, uh, I like your notes, and you said it was full of climate change deniers. <laughs> I just think that's the clearest comparison that I can make. <laughs> one of the parts that cracked me up the most in this whole thing was when the one guy says to Sokka, like, Can your science explain why it rains? And Sokka's like, Yes! Yes, it can! I knew you would love that part. <laughs> And that's, like, become such a meme within the Avatar fandom. I feel like people quote that all of the time. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, I like, they, they tweak it a little bit, like, can your science explain COVID-19? Yes. Yes, it can. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but the absolute outrage in Sokka's voice is just, like, so funny. <laughs> It's hilarious, yeah, and it did make me think of, like, you know, all my friends who are scientists, like me, and, like, how we get frustrated sometimes over certain things. And just people in general, you don't even have to be a scientist, anyone who critically thinks about things. You know, just that kind of outrage that you have, and sometimes you have to, like, hide it, because you can't really, you know, express how annoyed you are. <laughs> but that's how you feel deep down inside. Yeah, I think Jack DeSena, who was the voice actor for Sokka, just, he did such a good job in this episode. <laughs> I agree. The village can't be convinced that, you know, the the volcano is going to erupt, even though, even at this point, even Katara is on board. Right, because she feels the rumbling of the volcano and is like, okay, yeah, you guys have a point. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so they come up with a plan to convince the villagers basically mm -hmm. yeah they steal aunt Wu's cloud reading book so they can figure out what is the symbol for volcanic doom <laughs> and that's when we get an, a cute little scene with um ang and meng which kind of resolves that little storyline yeah yeah so she she finally comes to the realization that he's not interested in her and He's like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> I like somebody else, basically, and it's just really sweet how he tells her, you know, she's gonna find somebody someday that loves her, and I was just like, oh my gosh, Aang, you're so precious. <laughs> he's really sweet, and even when she says that she's been stalking him, he's like, thank you. <laughs> Too good for this world. Too pure. Yeah, I was glad that, you know, that it kind of resolved in a good way. Although, there is that little last scene before the credits, but we'll get to that. But it was kind of sweet that Meng was just like, she's really pretty. She said something about Katara's hair that seemed like it was much more manageable than hers, which I can relate, because my hair is not manageable at all. Katara really does have perfect hair. Like, it's beautiful. She does, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen, I don't think we've seen in the actual show yet her with her hair like down, but I've seen it in pictures and stuff online and it's beautiful when it's down. Yeah, so they managed to steal the book because actually Meng gives it to Aang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Katara and Aang work together to actually bend the clouds into into a new shape because he's an airbender and she's a waterbender so together they're perfect cloud bending yeah <laughs> i love that scene i thought it was beautiful oh my gosh yeah the animation and the colors and how they kind of made it take place at sunset so there were all these really pretty hues of pink and purple i was just like 
Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was stunning. And I also really like when Aang and Katara bend together, that they, they seem to stand in the same way and they move at exactly the same time. And I just think it looks really beautiful. They're a good team. Yes. So they bend the clouds into, looks like a skull type shape. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they managed to convince the villagers, but now they have the problem where what are they going to do? Because it's a freaking volcano. Right. And it's kind of too late to do anything about it. <laughs> like They could have evacuated a long time ago, but then the village will still be destroyed. So they come up with a plan to save the village. Right. Which is they are going to divert the flow of the lava by digging a big, uh, I guess, like, pathway. Yeah, like a trench, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And they they get some help from one of the twins who lives in the village as an earthbender. The other one isn't. He makes sure to let us know. <laughs> I liked that, too. It was just a cute little detail and interesting that, like, one twin can be a bender and one twin isn't. Like, I just... I thought that was a fun little piece of lore to add to the show. Yeah, yeah, it kind of suggests that maybe bending is more environmental than genetic. Yeah, and then, so they get everyone's help. I loved that at the very end, Momo places a single stone. Momo, you're just so, like, cute and helpful this episode. Not as much chaotic. <laughs> I think he learned his lesson from the last episode. Mm. He was like, yeah, I did a lot of hoarding and, like... It just wasn't good, man. I'm just going to be helpful this episode. <laughs> the humans seem disappointed, and I don't know why. I was trying so hard. <laughs> it's okay. Steph made him our MVP, so, you know, he got something. <laughs> but yeah, he was just... I just thought that that was adorable, that his contribution was one tiny little stone. They kind of managed to get that done, I think, in time, but it ends up being not enough, right, for the lava to actually be di completely diverted mm -hmm. yeah it's still going to wreak havoc if Aang doesn't do something but he very quickly steps in and starts to battle the volcano which is also a very very cool scene yes that scene is awesome and it causes Katara to be like huh he actually is a really powerful bender <laughs> Yeah, because Sokka makes a note of that, and we get this, it's a pretty, like, long sequence, actually, of, like, the, it panning over her face and her coming to this realization that, oh, okay, uh, I think the seeds of a potential romance are planted in Katara's mind in this episode. Yeah, because before, as we saw, she, it seems like she viewed him more as, like, just a friend she didn't really consider that there might be something more <laughs> right i think now is actually a very appropriate time for us to sing there may be something there that wasn't there before <laughs> yes <laughs> just to bring it full circle <laughs> yeah and i think it becomes very evident in the future that this is sort of a turning point in their relationship because after this she does kind of sort of flirt a little bit more and make suggestions that she didn't do before so I think it's a really good um transition episode another reason why you like this episode I'm sure yes <laughs> that's interesting I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops from from now on I do always like it when you can see a kind of shift in how someone perceives someone else and in this case, it's flagged up a little bit more than it might be in another show, I think because it's a kid's show. But I do think it's always interesting to see that. I was just thinking about our favorite ship from Gossip Girl, Dan and Blair. And when you have that episode when they end up working together accidentally, the same, uh, is it a magazine? Yeah, yeah. That episode is a real shift in terms of Dan seeing Blair in a way that he didn't see her before. Yeah, so Aang saves the village, and in a roundabout way, Aunt Wu's prediction kind of turned out to be true. <laughs> right. Which Sokka is furious about. <laughs> yeah, he's so, so angry. I wrote that he needs some calming tea after this episode. <laughs> 
I think Sokka would have just, like, let the village be destroyed if it meant that these people would have <laughs> learned their lesson. <laughs> yeah, he probably would have been like, well, at least I don't have to worry about these people spreading their stupidity around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then Mang kind of talks to Aunt Wu about his realization that she kind of told him what he wanted to hear. And she finds out that they did bend the clouds and... <laughs> make her predictions match their agenda. <laughs> and she tells him that this kind of takeaway lesson. You have the power to shape your own destiny. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it foreshadows so many moments in the future, especially some of the most crucial ones. And I really enjoy that takeaway. Yeah, um, I obviously don't know what's coming, but I can imagine that it would be something that would be important going forward. And, you know, I think it's often a theme in many kinds of media, which is this idea of your own destiny versus fate. Mm -hmm. And it's a big thing in Lost, actually, which I always seem to bring things back to Lost, but they talk a lot about, you know, the idea of what is predetermined and to what extent do you make your own fate. I think it's something that people are just fascinated with in general. So I always lean towards, you know, I really like this idea that you have the power to change your own destiny. And, you know, some things might be inevitable, but you have the power to control how you deal with them. Right. And I think that it is inevitable that Aang is going to have to fight Ozai, but... Like you said, he has the power to make the decisions on what he's going to do in that situation. So, very good, um, just overall theme for the show. <laughs> Even in a, a lighter episode, we still get some important stuff, which is nice. We end with this kind of weird little scene with Mang and Katara. Yeah, I thought that was kind of unnecessary, but it's just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I also didn't love it. I don't like that, like, she's, like, floozy at the very end, and that's when we cut to the credits, because I don't think it's fair on Qatar. I don't know. I feel like that's just, like, an 11 or 12-year-old girl sort of thing. Like, no, you don't have to be enemies with somebody that... That's true. You don't have to, but I feel like that's just the mentality when you're at that age. Yeah, that's true. I shouldn't be too judgmental of her because I think I've told you this before, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast. When I was about, I was a little older, I guess, than Meng probably is. I was maybe like 13 or 14, but I had a really big crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> he was dating Giselle Binchen, who is a Brazilian supermodel, and I kind of started hating her because <laughs> I was jealous and also because she was Brazilian and like I'm half Brazilian and stuff and like I saw an interview with her and like her English wasn't very good and I was kind of mean about like how good her English was <laughs> so I shouldn't really say anything about Meng because I have been that person as well which was really dumb and now I would just like to say that I have nothing against Giselle Binchin. she seems like a <laughs> lovely person I mean, I feel like all of us have been there at some point, even if it's, like, a fictional character. Like, for example, Sokka. I had a crush on Sokka when I was 15, and, like, therefore I wasn't a big fan of Suki because of it, and it's like, Suki is so freaking cool, like, <laughs> you have no reason to be jealous of a fictional character. Right, right. But it's just, like... I feel like we're taught that and it's it's just horrible like obviously I never ever want to pit women against each other especially for a dude but I think it is realistic especially since Mang is only like 11 and and at least she's not mean to Katara's face. <laughs> true true but yeah that's our closing credits and then uh we leave with the idea that Maybe Katara has started seeing Yang a little bit differently. All right, so shall we move on to our MVP of the episode? All right. I think you know who mine is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you guess what mine is, though? Because I think mine might surprise you a little bit. Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know. So I'm going to guess. Maybe we should do this, then. We can guess each other's MVP. I'm going to guess that yours is Aang. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about why? I just think from start to finish in this episode, he's just a total sweetheart. So kind and thoughtful of others and like I said he he finds that middle ground between skepticism and idealism and he's the one to save the village really at the end of it and his airbending skills are really amazing so I think this is very good Aang episode and that's probably another reason why I love it so much (laughs) I think that's a very valid choice for MVP thank you (laughs) (laughs) so do you think you can guess mine i don't know if it's not ang then i have no idea (laughs) it's not ang momo (laughs) (laughs) no but that would have been a good choice actually no i'm actually gonna go with soccer okay (laughs) because i just really appreciated his skepticism and how frustrated he was at the villagers even though like we said he gave Aang some terrible advice I feel like he still deserves to be MVP for his uh, persistence and even if nothing else for that one line that is yes yes it can (laughs) I feel like he deserves MVP all right so next up I guess we should do most memorable moment I I think I already talked about mine a little bit it's it's just the cloud bending like that's just so beautiful I can't choose anything else (laughs) and I agree I would pick that as my most memorable moment too all right so we have finished the fortune teller where are we going next week Rach (laughs) oh boy so this this is kind of like the last like really humorous funny episode and now we're really getting into the nitty gritty here (laughs) well we're nearing the end of the season right because next episode is episode 15 and there are only 20 episodes in the season so yeah yeah so no more fun and games (laughs) oh well i mean there's always humor in every episode but it's not like this one where it was just consistent throughout and i feel like they're like ang is having too much fun and being too good of a character so let's knock him down a few pegs and punch him in the gut (laughs) no for good measure so the next two episodes are like actually the next three episodes are very hard (laughs) to get through for me they're really good i think the rest of the season is incredible and really solid episodes besides um one of them but we'll get there when we get there (laughs) and I think it's a really good journey for Aang but it's a little hard for me to watch because he does get knocked down a few pegs so uh next week we are going to be watching Bato of the Water Tribe so we get a little bit more insight into one of the villagers from Katara and Sokka's village Oh, okay. I was wondering if that was going to be, like, from the other water tribe, but it's actually somebody from their tribe. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Bato. He's a pretty cool character. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, I'm looking forward to to that. I wonder if they're going to meet Bato, or if they're going to do flashbacks. I'm curious. I am not gonna say. (laughs) We shall see. Okay. So, I guess that sort of concludes our fortune teller episode sad to move on but we must (laughs) i'm sorry i hope you enjoyed talking about it at least oh yes it was super fun good yeah so you can find us on twitter at ember sayers and we are tweeting out some fun memes from each episode as well as our mvp and rebecca has been helping me with the graphics for those which I'm extremely appreciative of. (laughs) Well, I used your PSD, so honestly, you did all the work. (laughs) I just have to find screen caps. Yes, and you can also 
contact us via our email, which is emberislandsayers at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, things that we might have left out, let us know. We are on many different platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us and leave us a five-star review if you can. That really helps bring attention to the podcast and we appreciate it. And I guess we should say that we passed 400 listens, which is awesome. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you and we hope that you will continue to enjoy these episodes. All right, stay flaming, everybody. Stay flaming, and remember, yes, yes, it can.